The information on this show is not intended to be the primary basis for investment decisions and should not be used to provide financial advice. Please obtain the guidance of a financial professional regarding your particular financial concerns. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. This program reflects the views of Arif Halabi, California Insurance License 0B93792 of TFS Financial Insurance Services. TFS Financial Insurance Services, California Insurance License Number 0F22477, provides retirement income strategies using insurance and annuity products, which are guaranteed by the claims-paying ability of the issuing company. Financial security will help you live the life you dream. Learn about financial power, the total financial hour. Now higher income strategy. Learn from Arab Halabi. Learn about financial power, the total Hey there, welcome to the show. Thanks for being with me. I'm Arab Halaby. The total financial hour, talking about your family's finances, of course, getting out of debt, managing money. Planning for the future, making sure that you are uh, at least living the life you're supposed to live. For so many people, they think that the answer is trying to, uh, I don't know, scrimp and save and make retirement about just existing. I want it to be about thriving, doing what you're supposed to do, following your dreams. You know, the other day I was driving uh, on the freeway, and uh, the freeway goes, you know, north and south, so it can go all, all, all sorts of places, different states, different areas. And it had a, a lady driving. It was an RV. It wasn't a super fancy RV. It was a nice, I don't know, probably 10-year-old RV. But she's driving. Her husband's in the passenger side. And a big sign on the back said, Adventures Before Dentures. And I thought to myself, you know, there's a lady. So we pulled up you know, next to her to see who it was because uh, we saw the back first. We pulled up to see. I wanted to see how old she was, actually. Uh, and she was still a young lady. She's probably in her mid-50s mid to late fifties, maybe. Uh, and so I thought to myself, here's some of those people that did that fire, you know, that where they, uh, retire early and, and, uh, invest well and do what they need to do to, to not work, you know, a full-time job anymore. The first time I saw this was probably 20 years ago. A gentleman comes into my practice. I said, Oh, what kind of work do you do? And he says, well, I work part-time. I do this and I do that. And I write music on the side and okay, great. I said, well, when do you plan on retiring? He says, I never plan on retiring retiring. I said, Oh, well, what do you want to do? He goes, I'm semi-retired now. And I plan on always being semi-retired, meaning I'm always going to work a little bit and I'm always going to vacation a little bit. I'm not going to be somebody that works, 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 and then stops and retires. So I thought to myself, wow, that's a fascinating way to look at things. And it's actually something I kind of semi-adopted. Not quite because we own the company and we work hard, but of course, but I wanted to do a lot of little vacations throughout the years. So that's what I do. I mean, obviously with the reaction to COVID. Uh, And by the way, I want to encourage you guys. That is now how we say it. It isn't COVID that did anything. It's the reaction to COVID that shut down the economy. It's the reaction to COVID that created a a headache and purposely derailed the president of the United States being reelected. It was the reaction to COVID that shut down businesses, not COVID. All right. So be clear on that. So before the reaction to COVID, we would travel a little bit, right? I try to go somewhere for a week, 10 days, 12 days. That was my thing, was to be gone every five, six weeks, just a small vacation somewhere, take my wife, maybe just go up north, maybe just you know, go out to the beach, something like that to, to relax and get away from it all a little bit. I think uh, as a person who would serve my clients, I think it's better for us to not be burnt out as well. So I would hope you agree. That's the way that we chose to live our lives. 
Obviously, the reaction to COVID has changed a lot of that with travel, air travel, and and, uh, other things being uh, impeded, and the normal part of life has been changed dramatically. But one of the things I like to do, because I grew up traveling, some of you know my dad worked for the airlines, and then he was a travel agent after the airlines uh, shut down after uh, uh, the 1990 invasion from when Iraq invaded Kuwait. My dad happened to work for Iraqi Airlines. American citizen, he's not Iraqi, but uh, he worked for the airlines and he lost his job. But before that and after, we still had discounts on travel. We would get you know word of certain deals that were coming down the road. So we traveled a lot for free or almost free most of my life. That was pretty fun. We may not have been able to buy a fancy sports car, but man, spending the weekend in Hawaii because it cost us just a few dollars for the hotel, literally 20, 30 bucks for the hotel, that was it. So those kinds of things brighten, uh, uh, broaden and brighten your horizon. Here's what it does. It takes young people and makes you realize you're not that important. When you travel, when you go on a missions trip, when you travel overseas, when you get a chance to visit other cultures or other people, you realize how unimportant you are as a per- person and how fortunate you are to have been born to the family that you're born to. Not a perfect family. Hello. But born to a family in the United States, in a place where you can live and thrive and become just about anything you want. That is amazing. You didn't, you didn't have anything to do with that, right? You won the lotto. Biggest lotto of your life. However, today, when you're in your 50s, 60s, or 70s, and you want to retire early, or you can retire a little earlier, And you're going to ladder your income, meaning at first you're going to take from this bank account or this uh, savings account or this annuity, and then you're going to take from that. Then you're going to trigger the next one, and you're going to take from there. Then you're going to trigger the next one, you take from, oh, now you turn on your pension, or now you turn on Social Security, and you begin that income coming in. Right? You can ladder the income streams, because to me, it's all about cash flow. It doesn't matter if you you have a million dollars in the bank, and your cash flow is $1,000 a month. You, you don't live very well. I always ask people, raise your hand if you tell me what you would like. A million dollars in cash or 10000 a month for the rest of your life? You tell me what's more important to you. And the people that say $10,000 a month for the rest of their life, that's our clients. You want a million dollars in cash? You're probably more likely to... Because that's what I would have done when I was 28. I just said, hey, you know, give me the million. I'll, I'll double it by the weekend. You, you know who I am? Oh my gosh, look at me. Right? You're a little, a little more arrogant and confident, maybe overconfident than you should be when you're younger. Right After some losses, after getting beat up a little bit and bruised and battered and making some decisions and mistakes and being scammed, whatever it might be in your life, now you come down and you say, you know what? You're telling me $10,000 a month every month, doesn't matter where I am or what I'm doing. That's right. Yeah, it sounds pretty good. Sounds pretty good. So if... Reliable retirement income is the thing that you are going for or treasuring or, or shooting for. That's what we do. That's our focus. Making sure there's a steady stream of income in your financial life. I share that with you because you need to know a couple of things. A lot of you are considering retiring or at least spending ex, uh, expanded amounts of time. And these extended days, weeks, even months and months in other countries. 
So that extended period of time retiring in, or, or semi-retiring in another country, you can do it. We have a client now. She's a physician. She lives in uh, Eastern Europe. Her husband got a job there, so she moved there. So she sees clients on iPads and does the telemedicine thing. Makes California wages. <laughs> Very nice. In fact, we looked it up. And it's more than the president of the country in which she's in, believe it or not. Now, that doesn't include any stealing that he may or may not be doing but <laughs> or, or embezzling. But her wages, because they're California-type wages, and she sees clients on the on the uh, tablet and do telemedicine, okay, great. She puts the kids to sleep and she works for six hours. There's a nurse that, that carries this little uh, iPad thing down the hallway and, and sees patients in the hospital if she needs to do that. So there's a variety of options as we go through this. This is important as you begin a couple of things. Where can you retire in another country and live the way you want to live. Is there a place in another country that makes a difference? Well, I'll share with you. We have clients that have now retired to Portugal. They love it up in Porto. Made a lot of money here in California. Made a lot of money in the United States. And then decide, okay, that's it. Now, I'm retired. And so where they chose to live is in, uh, they bought a house. Now, that's not my first recommendation. I think one of the things that you should consider is this. You need to live there for a while, an entire season, maybe a full year. Oh, Arif, but rent, but prices are going up. Yes, they are. I'm sorry, they are. But it's what I would do. Because what side of town do you want to live on? What are the rules? What are the laws? Why is it easier to be over in this part of town instead of that part of town? Why is it better? Why are more people not buying in your area, even though you think it's less expensive, right? A lot of people don't realize that when you retire to another country, you need to know the rules. If you need a permit, you realize in some places, if you need a permit, you walk in, the permit is sitting on the person's desk and they purposely do not give it to you right now. Come back in two weeks for what? Just because. Here, you would call the 800 number, you'd complain, tell them your feelings are hurt. Certainly use the O word, and that'll help, right? You were offended. Oh, that's it. Oh, shoot. If you're offended, man, that's it. It's over. You can sit down. You can go over the conversation. Really try to lay out why you deserve to have that permit, and it's right there. But here's what happens. <laughs> they don't care. Because in a lot of foreign countries, you have to know the system. You have to pay. And there's even uh, there's even a term for it. In some of the Central American countries, I think it was called propina. Did you pay your propina? I think it's called a tip. I was like, I, I don't know. I just am trying to do this or I want, I want this done. Nope, sorry. You have to pay it. So there's a little term for it in different places. I don't uh, Look, it's all about local officials. Some countries have a much more moral-centered place. But when I tell you that Portugal is a beautiful place to live, and the people are amazing. The government always is a challenge. But the second place we're seeing some of the best countries are Panama. Now, why Panama? Did you know that Panama is one of the, I don't know, 10 or 9 or 10 countries, something like that in the, in the world, that uses the U.S. dollar, uses the dollar, the currency? They don't have their own Panamanian currency. 
are paid in dollars. Dollars circulate in their system. Their governments pay paychecks to the employees in dollars and on and on. Yeah, it's dollars. Costa Rica is another place people retire to. Now, listen, Costa Rica and Panama are adjacent. They both are pretty stable countries, pretty stable government. They go back and forth between that we're going to give you everything for free, right? The socialist government comes in free, 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 and then he gets you know run out on a rail or sent to jail or something like that. Corruption and off he goes and starts all over again. And then the the ex uh, you know the right wing and left wing and you know presidents come in. So there's a little bit of political turmoil. If you are if you are willing to retire in another country and stay out of politics. Don't comment on it. Don't get involved with it. Stay away with the the other country's politics. You can probably have a very nice life on, I don't know, one social security check, $1,500, $2,000 a month. Now, for many of you, that's a very, very small amount compared to the rest of your paycheck. So you have two choices. In your pension or your income, your retirement income, you can either live better, a lot better, or... You just save the money and you can spend the best part of the year, the seasons, right? Summer, maybe winter, whatever it is in that part of the country. That's where you're there. And then you come back to the United States. Decide where your home base is going to be, whether it's in Nevada, right? I like Mesquite, Nevada. That's a place that's growing. I like Southern Utah. I like places in Arizona. You can still have your family and visit and do what you're doing, but you need to have an address, a home base, because frankly, that's where you have to pay your income tax. And if your residence is in a state in which the income tax is either zero or very low, then that is your home base. That's your place of residence. Even though you may not be there for four months and you might be out of the country, that's important. Some countries, believe it or not, Panama is one of them, they encourage travelers expats to come and they'll even give you certain citizenship or uh, certain types of naturalization green card if you will the ability as a resident to come back and forth then you get discounts on things you actually get to uh, the health care is involved I mean you pay very little for it now a lot of people are retiring in Mexico it's my least favorite place just because it's not really a country anymore Mexico is multiple states that are lawless that are run by gangs drug gangs and others that's scary scary to me scary to you some part parts of mexico are beautiful but would i go there now no i would not i I might go there for vacation but i mean as far as to go there to live too difficult you have to know so much about the culture what part of what state of what town to be in then you have to keep such a low profile it's scary so, in my opinion, I would avoid Mexico, although it is one of the top destinations for Americans, maybe a lot of Mexican-Americans, if you have family there. But here's the place that I think has future. In fact, I think two of these places. The next two are the ones that have a future for the next 20 years. So, if you're going to retire in your 50s, you want to you be semi-retired, you know, live that life. Where would I go if you like overseas travel? Number one is Ecuador. Now, they also use the American dollar. But they have a stable system, stable government, pristine beaches. You can live like a king on $1,500 a month, live like a queen on 
on one social security paycheck. It's incredible. They're very tax friendly to you. In other words, as you come in, if you come in with money, you put, when you put money in the bank, I'll do this on the second uh, half an hour. I'll tell you how to kind of transfer funds down there to make sure you don't get into trouble financially. But I love Ecuador. I think that's one of the top places to retire. And there's reasons for it. Ecuador itself has such a relaxed lifestyle. And the, it's a city called, I'm going to mispronounce it, but it's called uh, Cuenca, C-U-E-N-C-A. It's where we actually have people retiring left and right. I mean, we see it all the time. It's high in the mountains, somewhere around 6,000, 7,000 feet in elevation. So it's very temperate climate. You have, I don't know, 300,000 plus people in the population. So it's a big city. And it's one of the most sought after retirement destinations. In fact, it's very difficult for you to actually live in, uh, live there and uh, try to learn Spanish because a lot of folks speak English. And so they, and they want to practice English on you. And so you're trying to practice Spanish. So it's a little more difficult. It's, it's almost like being in parts of Southern California or Southern Texas. Uh, I remember being at a resort in Mexico once and the lady spoke better English that worked at the restaurant and in the hotel than, than the people that work in the restaurants and hotel in California. So we thought to ourselves, wow, these are, these are folks that are very interested in, in the language. And so anyway, a little bit difficult. Is it safe? It's probably one of the safest places in all of South America, Central and South America. The capital city, Quito, eh, not so much. But try to go to downtown Salt Lake. See if you leave your car alone for a minute and if it doesn't get broken into by a, a drug addict. Or downtown LA or San Francisco, right? These homeless, drug-addicted folks are going to, same idea. So you just avoid the cities or be very cautious in the city. The other thing I like about Ecuador, this is really important, the healthcare system is not just affordable because you want uh, you want free or you want good. In a lot of places, you have a choice. However, in many cases, you can get a really high quality for a reasonable price, and that is in this particular country of, of Ecuador. All right, so that's just one of my favorites. Here's another one that I want you to look at. It's Vietnam. Can you imagine that? That actually has popped up into one of the top 10 places to retire. And why do I like Vietnam so much? Number one is the people love Americans. They love Americans. And it's a huge, huge change when you start thinking about retiring in a place like Vietnam. To, do, to have your uh, clothes professionally laundered is 25 cents for 10 items of clothes. An apartment in a city, in a nice, nice area, in a nice city, is less than $600 a month. So you got to ask yourself, right, when lunch is less than a dollar, when I can live in a place where people like and respect me, when a, a bottle of beer is 65 cents, right, and on and on, it's not a bad place to live, especially if you have an affinity towards the Asian culture. If you have an, a desire to, to visit or to stay. So here's what I would do. Listen, you want to retire? You want to have reliable income where it just keeps coming in? I'm going to share with you where I want the dollars to go and how I want them to go because I think there's some financial risk here and there's a way to adjust that risk so that you're not 
in trouble. And that includes whatever it is, Vietnam, Costa Rica, Mexico, or Ecuador. I don't, it doesn't matter. Por- Portugal, they're all the same. We're going to have a plan B, okay? So I'll do that here in, in a few minutes. All right. When you see me talking about those places, there are still uh, the old stalwarts, the Spains, the France. They're still amazing. Germany is an expensive place to live. Italy, uh, beautiful place, but the, the rules in Italy make it so difficult, right? There's a reason there's a lot of torn down buildings. Look at downtowns uh, in California, right? Look at downtown LA. The reason there's no uh, homes being built is because everybody got theirs. I got mine. Well, what about homeless people? Tough luck. So what the city does is the city comes over and they condemn or take over hotels. And they turn hotels into apartment buildings. Now, in Italy, there, are in a lot, there, there aren't a lot of homeless people, but the same regulations go through where everybody needs a permit. You got to get it stamped here. Then you got to go down the hall and get it stamped there. Then you got to come back here and then you have to pay a fee. And then go, from here, you have to go down there. By the time it's all done, it's months to build a home, months to rebuild or to fix or remodel. And nobody cares. Nobody, nobody cares. Nobody, right? So, the, but the people of Italy are amazing. The government of Italy is corrupt. So I think that's why it doesn't pop in in our top 10 lately because it's such a beautiful place to live. We all want to go there. I love visiting. The local government is untrusted by most of the, of the locals and the national government is untrusted. So a lot of people are worried and they just stay away. So what are the things to remember if you're going to retire overseas? What are the things you want to try, uh, retire abroad? How do you fix that? Because right now, what do we have? Somewhere in the neighborhood of, uh, let's see, are we over a million? We might be just about a million of uh, Americans have retired overseas. I don't mean the ones that work and come back, right? Their Their job transfers them to you know, work on a pipeline up in Canada or, you know, none of that. I'm talking about the guys and and ladies that retire and live overseas for at least a few months a year. We see that a lot in the Philippines. Beautiful place. Again, people are amazing. They're appreciative. But what we're actually seeing along the way, eh, I think you just have to know somebody to know somebody. For example, in the Philippines, they have two different health systems. They have one, if you can afford it, it's called private hospital. And then you have the public, quote, the free hospital. Which one do you think gets better care? You realize we always had care in the United States for poor people. We always had care in the United States for uninsured people called county hospitals. We've always had them. All the Obamacare deal did was, was a health insurance reform. It had nothing to do with health care, zero with health care. Most people will tell you healthcare is either the same or worse. So what do we do all that mess for? Why did we transfer all that money to the insurance companies? And let me tell you, because some of those executives are clients, the amount of money that they made is obscene, obscene amounts of bonuses and dollars paid to health insurance executives. It's all public record because it's all their publicly traded companies. So it's out there, but they bury it in the details They bury it in the boredom and nobody pays attention. When we retire overseas, what do we do to make it work? How do we make sure that we are not making mistakes? Right? Financially speaking, I have that when we return. You're listening to me, Eric Howley. This is the Total Financial Hour. I'm going to give you a couple more things here. Let me give you our phone number. It's 888-99-RETIRE. 888-99-RETIRE. 
That matters a lot if you want to get a hold of us all throughout the week. Even sometimes on the weekend, we have uh, folks stand by. Not always, but sometimes uh, we can take your call on the weekend. The other part of it is that's important is this, guys. When you are planning to retire, it, it's a little bit of a journey. It isn't just something where, okay, next week I'm going to retire. Let's, let me open my eyes and see the surprise. Did it work? Did I plan properly? Yuck. Nope. Yep. I'm happy. Sad. Yucky. What is this? So you need to make sure that you're doing it right. That's what we want. A little bit of time. So check in with us and stay tuned. Financial risks, retiring overseas. What do we do to plan? I'm Eric Hallaby. Stay with me on the Total Financial Hour. You'll be right back. Learn from Arab Hallaby. Learn about financial power. The Total Financial Hour. Now Arab has a plan for me. Higher income strategy. I'll retire comfortably. Thanks to Arab Hallaby. Financial security will help you live the life you dream. Learn about financial power, the total financial hour. Now higher income strategy. Learn from Arab Halaby. Hey, welcome back to the show. Thanks for staying with me. I'm Arab Halaby. Talking about your family's finances, getting out of debt, managing money, planning for the future and retiring overseas. What are some of the financial ups, downs, risks, good, bad news? How do you have to plan? I want to touch on some of those for you because here's what I'm finding along this way. First of all, what you have to be, in my opinion, really concerned about is the banking system of where you're going, right? Because in that world, you have to ask yourself, is the banking system stable? There's a, a recent report of a lot of expats in Mexico they trusted a bank. There was a bank manager. She was educated in the United States, spoke English fluently. They trusted her because they could communicate. And there was somewhere in the neighborhood of $11 million from the various expats. Some have transferred their entire life savings to that Mexican bank. And she walked away with the money. There's nothing you can do. There's no FDIC. There's no FBI that's going to investigate. The recourse is zero, nothing. Because they don't have the same rules regulations, uh, indemnity, which is protection of your money. They don't have that in a lot of different countries. So here's how I want you to do it. Most countries will allow you to do uh, electronic transfers, right? Any bank will. You can do it online, in fact. You can go on the computer, transfer from this bank account to that bank account. So here's what I want you to do. I know this is going to seem a little bit paranoid, but this is my way of doing it, and it's the way of making sure you can have security in your retirement. The first is this. I want you to have a main bank in the United States. It could be a credit union, in fact. I like credit unions better than banks for lots of reasons. But I want it to be uh, an institution that is solid, that has been around for a while. You know, you can figure that out. Even Again, as a credit union first. Then I want you to have a bank that has a relationship with banks in that country that you're going. And it could be a Chase Bank, a Bank of America, an HSBC. It could be Wells Fargo. Some of the larger banks, fine. But that's a secondary bank account. So that bank account has some money in it. Not a lot. Most of your money is back in the credit union. And then, I told you, here's my paranoid part. In country, I want you to have a bank account there. Maybe you keep $1,000 in it. Maybe 2000 
Something like that. I don't want it to be too much into that country's currency because they devalue the currency depending on where you are, and you could end up losing money just by keeping it in the bank, by them raising the, the uh, ratios, right? the, the bargaining and the trading ratios. So how do we do that? Well, XYZ Credit Union has a million dollars. I don't know, whatever. We'll call it $100,000. XYZ Credit Union has 100000 You transfer 20000 over to Bank of whatever, and then into the country. You bring in $2,000 a month, 5000 a month, whatever it is that you need to live on, you transfer that every single month. So there's never more than about $5,000 or so in the bank in the foreign country. So if there's a problem, if somebody runs off with your money, it's $5,000 or $10,000, it's not 100000 or a million. And I know there's a couple of steps, and I know it's a little bit of a pain. I get it. But I've heard way too many horror stories of foreign countries, in Argentina, for example, just taking your money, saying, bye. Like, what do you mean? Well, the government came in and took your money. They gave you an IOU. What do you mean they took my money? Yeah, yeah, they just came in. They said they need it to operate their the operations. And if you fight, if you have a problem, you know, they have the military, they have the police. So your problem is much bigger than losing money. Germany did it with the Jews. They just took their money from the banks. You don't think that can happen somewhere else? In today's world, oh my word, of course. All right, so two banks in the United States, two institutions, maybe a bank and a credit union, you transfer from one to another and then just drip slowly into the foreign bank as you need it, as you spend it. All right, you could have an ATM card over there and pull out money from your bank account that's over here. You could do that. I've done that when I've traveled. Oh, I need some money out of my bank. Okay, pull it out. Do you want it in this currency or that currency? Okay, give it to me in that currency. So that's important. Here's the other part. A lot of you forget about this. Health insurance still can be purchased in the United States for foreign events. So you can have a good health insurance policy in the United States when you are abroad. And it might cover you for 60 days, for 90 days, whatever. You can purchase it accordingly. And that gives you that ability to have American coverage. Now, most of it, by the way, is a reimbursement. You have to pay out of pocket to the hospital, submit it to the insurance company in the United States, and then they repay you. It's called a reimbursement plan. They do not pay the hospital directly. The other thing I want you to do is look at a local health insurance plan. Generally speaking, it's going to be more restrictive, not going to cover everything, but it will cover many things. And what they do is they, the, the local health insurance company, right, the, the little product in that will pay for a lot of the day-to-day, doctor visits, maybe glasses, maybe hearing aids. They'll pay for some of those things. The big issues, going to the hospital, having surgeries, those kinds of things, that's when you're going to have to pay out of pocket. All right, when you pay out of pocket, you get reimbursed by the insurance company by in some or most of it from the United States. All right, that's important because health insurance dictates how you're treated. You can say it doesn't, but people with more money buy nicer cars. People with more money eat nicer, better quality food and get better service at better restaurants. I don't make the rules. You can be mad at me, but (laughs) 
It's just the way it is. You want to be treated in a nice hospital in the Philippines? You have money. You want the free hospital? You go there. You won't get the same treatment. All right. What about car insurance? I'm going to spend a minute on this because I think this is really important for you. Car insurance, if you have a little car or you drive a little scooter, right? A lot of people drive little scooters or they rent cars for the week or something. You need insurance that covers you in that country because in many countries, a car accident is a criminal event. In the United States, it's a civil matter. That's why the police rarely show up unless somebody's hurt, right? They, you, you call your insurance company, I call mine, they investigate, you take pictures, you send it in, everybody looks and they come up with, an, uh, with a, uh, a judgment because it's a civil matter here in the United States. But in Mexico, for example, and in other states and countries across the world, it is a criminal matter. That means you need to have a dash cam or a GoPro on your helmet if you're riding a scooter around. Because the more evidence you have that you didn't do something criminally wrong or, or that you're not at fault at the accident, the better off you're going to be. You, you, really? I mean, you really you understand that, right? I don't want you to go to jail because of a car accident. People do that. That's a regular event in a lot of parts of the world. So what do you have to do? You have to, quote, bail yourself out, meaning the other party has to agree to whatever payment you come up with. Basically, they hold you hostage in the local jail cell until they, quote, drop the charges because you have decided to give them a certain amount of money. Having the right insurance is very important. If you're going to take a car across the border, whether it's up into Canada or down into to Mexico, and you're going to take your own vehicle, you have to make sure that your insurance covers you down there because in most cases they don't and you have to have a plan that covers you in that country because there are different rules right they it's pretty well known when somebody crashes somebody goes two people you know crash in an intersection they look to see what color the light was or who had the right of way or where was the stop sign right we have a pretty systematic one two three here's who's at fault you know, barring anything crazy, right? It's pretty simple. But in a lot of countries, it's not that way. So for many of you, what have you chosen to do? You're like, no problem. I'm just going to take a taxi. Oh, it only costs $3. It's better than having a car. I can take a cab anywhere I want. It takes just a few minutes. Great. I still want you to have good health insurance because if that guy or gal crashes the cab, who's going to take care of you? Right? You need to make sure that you have health insurance. That's where that comes back around, circles back. Okay. Sound like Jen Psaki circling back. <laughs> so what do you do when you are in another country and you want to purchase something that is heavily tariffed? Now here's what a tariff is. Try to buy a car in Europe. A car that's $30,000 here might be $45,000 in Portugal or Spain. So having a car in other countries is an extreme luxury. In the United States, it's not. That's why we have millions and millions of cars on the road. Hundreds of millions, probably. Because it's not a, it's not a luxury here. It's just a thing. Now, you might have a nicer car. You might not have a nicer car. But in many other countries, to have an automobile, oof, it's a luxury. Now, you can have a, a servant, right? A cook or a maid or 
somebody who comes to, to your house and it costs them it costs you $100 a month to have somebody. But you could also, ready for this, hire a full-time driver. So there are many locals who've hand, had to hand me down cars. They're not fancy cars, many of them. So they didn't have to pay the 45000 because their uncle had it. And then before that, their aunt had it. So you can have an automobile and a driver in a lot of these places for just a few hundred dollars a month. And the person is your full-time driver. And you're providing an amazing wage for somebody to live nicely. So consider that as an option as well. What else when it comes to wearing jewelry? Now, many of you like to go out nice at night. You wear your nice rings, your watches, your bracelets, whatever you're wearing. I'm going to caution you in a lot of these places, especially where there's expats, right? It's almost like the school of fish. The dolphins, the sharks, the whales, all of them that eat those little fish, they don't go out in the ocean and try to find onesies, twosies. That's very difficult. They just go where the fish are, where those bait balls, where the group of fish exist along the coast or in the cove or along the coral reef. They know that. So the expat communities, they know that that's where you are. You are the school of fish. It's very easy to rob you there. It's very easy to take from you there. But there's also some protection by being a lot of you in a group. So think about that. Where and how can you have many safe safety, safe features? If you're going to buy or even rent in an expat community, I want you to look at gated communities. Now, they don't serve the same as what you and I can think uh, you know, a gated community in the States might be. There, it's actually a little bit more private, meaning the security is pretty tough. You can't just get in there and follow in a paint contractor or construction worker who's doing something. Here, you can do that fairly easily, get into gated communities. There, it's a lot tougher. Security is armed. And you're very well safe inside. Because from a bait ball standpoint, right, from the, from the group of little fish, the little expats that could be taken uh, as criminal victims, all you do is stay in groups, stay together, and certainly don't wear jewelry to show how rich you are and how poor they are. Now, you would never do it for that reason. You're probably a pretty nice person, I'm guessing, right? Because you listen to the show. But that's the way they take it. Of course, you can have a watch. Of course, you can have a ring. But stay away from the gobs of diamonds and tennis bracelets and gold necklaces. And men, some of you love those gold chains because you're reliving your, your 60s or your 70s, you know, rehashing those days with the thick gold chain on your neck. I get it. But you might as well paint, you know, come and get me on your forehead. It's just a risk, okay? So, so I want you to be careful. Best places to retire, as I mentioned, you're going to give up some things because groceries and rent might be low, but the quality of the drinking water might be pretty, <laughs> pretty low as well. I have a lot of friends. They love India. They go there. They say, that's the place I'm going to retire. I have others that say, I'll never go back, right? I mean, different cities, different places. You could say the same thing about the United States. Go to some places and you say it's the most beautiful place in the world. In other places you say, oh my gosh, it's horrible. It's a 
homeless uh, people everywhere, like in San Francisco. Why would I ever return? So I want you to think about this when you hear from other people say, never go there or always go there. But realize some of the basics, some of the things that you take completely for granted, like turning on a faucet and drinking water coming out and you being able to drink it. Or being able to have electricity 24 hours a day. Anytime you want, you flip a switch, it's on. Especially if you're away from those expat communities. If, because the expectations for Canadians and Australians and South Africans and Americans, because that's who's living there, by the way, and some Britons, some British. But generally, of British, Australia, New Zealand, Canadians, uh, Americans, of course, and South Africa. South Africa has become such a, a horrible place to live if you're white. They're chasing people out. So anybody with money is getting out if they can. And they're going to places to live the rest of their life in a much better community. And so they all speak the same language, right? Various accents. But your expectation on where you used to live, on water and electricity working all the time, you're now in a second or a third world country. So you have to think a little differently. You have to think you know, my freezer, I need to, to have my food uh, carefully protected in case electricity goes off with the storm. I remember I was uh, at a house. We rented, a, a group of us rented a little house in, in Costa Rica, and the electricity was out. And they're like, oh, my gosh, what happened? Electricity. You know, Americans were getting all excited. What happened? Electricity. <laughs> and they said, well, a monkey was climbing on the electric lines and shorted out. And so we were waiting for the crew to come from the big city to come and repair the lines. But it was literally a monkey that had uh, met his demise on the electric wires. <laughs> so that affected our entire resort for a long time. And so the the kitchens were getting rid of anything that was frozen that they couldn't keep for very long. Like, okay, fish and chips, two for a dollar. All right, just take them, whatever we need. And so many of you have to have a plan B when you are retiring overseas. When it comes to the transportation Right? I've, I've shared with you about cars and about taxis and scooters. I like that. But when it comes to trains and planes, the larger vehicles, generally speaking, that is where those countries put a lot of their money. They're not putting it in the roads because the potholes are horrible, just like Los Angeles. They're not putting it in uh, some of the hospitals for the poor people because they just make them good enough. But they are putting them in a great place, which is going to be the, the public transportation. So generally, that's going to be fine. Here's another part. Depending on how remote you go or how far away from the big city or what the culture is of the area. I know some of the Asian cultures are this way. If you go to the hospital, if you're sick, your family has to bring you food. The hospital does not provide food. So if you're going to eat, your family brings you food every day. Or somebody does, your friends. In a lot of places, you don't get clean linen when you're in the hospital. Your family has to come and bring you clean linen. This isn't meant to scare you. This is meant to, t to tell you and show you that just because you're used to something in one city or state, it doesn't mean it's going to be the same everywhere else. So, uh, and look, God forbid you ever go to jail. It's the same thing in prisons. They don't give you food. Your family has to provide food for you in jail. So <laughs> make sure you stay away from the DUIs and and the other uh, obscure things. Know where the American consulate is. The closest embassy. Let them know where you live. A lot of people, look with the debacle of Afghanistan, 
nobody knows more than, than the military men and women who served in Afghanistan how much of a joke President Biden and his top defense and, and secretary of defense and, and uh, you know, defense secretary. I mean, these people just are a joke. Literally, they're a joke. The world laughs at them. The way that the president did this, look, he's not all there. We know that. So somebody's pulling the strings. Most of us think it's Obama and his team, but in any case, it's somebody pulling the strings. But you understand that if you at least tell the embassy or the consulate where you live and who you are, tell them when you're leaving, tell them when you're there, then if there's a problem in that country, if there's a a revolution or a problem to get you out of there, people know where you are. And then one of the last things I want to spend a minute on, and I have seen this in action personally now twice, which is rare because it sometimes never, but there are some great insurance policies that you can purchase. I told you about the health insurance where they're called medical evacuation plans. And it might be $800 a year or something. It isn't super costly. But what it does, it allows you to be evac evacuated from the country if you have a health condition, especially diabetic, heart condition, liver problems. And they can evac you out in a medically outfitted jet, private jet, and it's basically like an air hospital or air ambulance, and they exfil you out of the country with a doctor, a nurse, and two pilots is usually how they do it. And then yourself, and sometimes you can take a family member. But you can purchase these plans pretty inexpensively. And it's worth it to have one kind of always on standby. When you register, this is where I am, this is with the city, because they arrange to have people. I have seen it where we were on a missions trip in Jamaica, and one of the pastors that came with us had an infection because he had had some uh, surgery, I guess, some time before, and the infection just got worse and worse, and they had to uh, take him out of the country. They flew him into Florida and then from Florida into Canada, where he was originally from. So there are reasons to have that. Yes, it's something I hope you never use. Right? It's like every insurance. The best car insurance is one that you just wasted your money on because you never had to pay for anything. You never had to use it. That's what, That's the best part of it. And that's what I want. So that's why I like this particular uh, type of insurance. What it does is it gives you many, many sources and many ways for you to have multiple reasons to get out of the country if things don't go well. I don't know too many people that would have retired in Afghanistan, right? I don't think that was ever uh, you know, on the top 10 list of anybody. But I do know that there are people that had family there. I do know that there are people who lived there part-time and in the United States. They had businesses there. And yet they were Americans. Maybe of Afghani descent, but they were still Americans. So I need you to look at this and ask your family, ask yourself, you know, where am I going to go and why? What is the, Why is it that you and your family want to retire in another country? What is it that you say, you know, there's a reason, there's a purpose. And so in many sources, you're going to live in another place, but your family's not going to be there. So how are you going to get them into the country? How are you going to visit them? 
How many times a year are you going to come back? And where will your residence be? Where will your American U.S. mail be mailed to? Because that determines the taxation of the rest of your retirement accounts. Not from the federal government. That doesn't change. Because you know, the United States is the same, of course, wherever you live. And as long as you're a citizen, even if you never come back to the United States, you still have to pay taxes as if you were in the United States. So you have to ask yourself, am I willing to retire in another state? Okay, so that's important you know that. Guys, listen, I want to share with you something. We have on occasion dinners and restaurants uh, that we, we meet with clients. I know with the reaction to COVID has really changed a lot of how you guys see gathering together. I get it. Restaurants make it very difficult as well with a lot of restrictions, both both self-imposed and uh, city and, and state restrictions. But give us a call and ask to be put on the list because occasionally we will have our dinners in our in your area. You're welcome to attend. Maybe we can help. Uh, we do things on how to, uh, how to meet and discuss different financial topics, uh, safety for retirement, uh, getting out of debt. Sometimes we'll take one particular product and we'll dig a little deeper what it's used for, what it's not used for all in the hopes of you understanding a little bit more and building and creating a retirement dream for you and your family. Okay, so give us a call. 888-99-RETIRE. That's 888-997-3847. Thanks for joining me. Thanks for being a part of our program and always listening. You guys are important to us. 888-99-RETIRE. You have a wonderful day and great week ahead. I'm Eric Hallaby on the Total Financial Hour, TFS Financial Insurance Services. Have a great week. Learn from Learn about financial power, the Total Financial Hour. Now Arab has a plan for